welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. There's been a lot of news in the first half of the year about the Peoria Civic Center, from big-name acts coming to perform there to big-name athletics, and some controversy with the saga involving the Peoria Riverman's lease being resolved, at least for now, but... With all of that, there's plenty of success and plenty more to come. Recently, WMBD's Craig Collins talked about some of that with Civic Center General Manager Rick Edgar. You've already had a lot of big, giant arena shows. It feels like that's a thing that, even if it was going well before, is going uniquely well now. And you have five uh, that are coming into town uh, this summer. Can you talk about a few of them? Absolutely. And just to put it in perspective, arenas typically do not have concerts in the summer because people want to be outdoors at festivals. Sure. So getting a show here and there in the arena is unusual, especially concerts. We have five of them this summer. To put it in perspective, we had five summer concerts over the last 12 years combined. Wow. So the market has drawn these. So we're going to be starting off with the Avid Brothers and Government Mule. Nice. Then we're going into the Doobie Brothers. Sure. And then we're going to bring you uh, Falling in Reverse and Ice Nine Kills, which is becoming a huge hit for us this summer for the active rock crowd. Wow. Uh, we're going to follow it up with the local guys, Mudvayne and Guar. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have Monica, the R&B artist, in uh, mid-August. It's, ama- it's amazing, the, and we talk about this every time you come on, the, the eclectiveness of all the shows. Uh, but really, really cool to have so many big, giant shows. It's cool to see a show in the arena setting. It's cool to see any show at the Civic Center. But there's something that's extra special, I think, if you've been to one of the bigger, uh, giant productions where you have that, that huge amount of space. And they're almost always so well attended that you, I don't know, there's something about it that I just think is very cool. Um, this is going to be very, very interesting to a lot of people that aren't me exactly, uh, which again demonstrates the eclecticness of the show, but popularity through the roof for it. Monster High, uh, which is a very popular uh, children's show, is coming to town. They're actually kicking off a world tour here. Yeah, this is something that I cannot express. We've known about this for months, and this was a group. They're the same folks that did Hot Wheels. They have a relationship with Mattel. Nice. And word got around that they were bringing Monster High, which is the number one selling doll, better than Barbie right now in females. Totally knew that. So it is. Uh, they were going to go out on the road for the first time ever. Uh, the rumor mill was out that they were going to start this in Florida. We made a few phone calls, got wow. on got on conference call after conference call. Wow. And what we found out is they were saying, well, you have stagehand union. It's going to be too. I said, you haven't asked for the bill. Let's let's talk about what it's going <laughs> to cost. Let's talk. Come on. Let's have a little bit and of a negotiation. Corporate here. offices are in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a very long, drawn-out story, but the short version is we convinced them that Peoria was the perfect place for them to go out. Wow. We have a hotel attached. We can let them rehearse here for a couple of weeks. They're going to be part of our community the entire tour wow. for several weeks, getting ready. And we were selected for their brand-new product as the world premiere um, going out and uh, it's great and you know it doesn't hurt that their corporate office in Chicago and we said come down anytime sure we'll have take you out to gyms it, it's a cool thing to say uh, that you launch world tours uh, here and I'm, I'm sure this probably isn't the only one but it's just a cool thing to say in general $25 for tickets for how popular this is too is something that struck me as uniquely affordable uh, for a family thing uh, so it seems like this is going to be you know very very popular tickets on sale now uh, do you guys have a lot of availability for tickets are you seeing this well, we have an, we, we oh, have a lot of them 
today because we haven't gone on sale yet. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I, I got that wrong. When do they actually go on sale? They, uh, they'll be going on sale next week. It was gotcha. announced today, but they announced the entire world tour today. So it's just really cool when you go out with a new product and it, it starts in Peoria. So uh, I got I got to click on the buy now button to then see pre-sale happening now. Fair uh, enough. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but find more information about that, and I'm sure a lot of people are very excited to go. Uh, there's two other quick things. Uh, construction is going on right yep. now. What's going on specifically? Uh, right now, this summer, we're you know we kind of joked that we're going to do all the sexy stuff: mm-hmm. roofs, boilers, <laughs> oh yeah, right, uh, HVAC. Um, but the other things that we're doing that'll be um, more in front of fans and seeing the guest experience improve is we are putting in a new scoreboard and a new sound system in Carver Arena. Wow. Um, we're going to have ribbon boards. So all the backlit signs that were the way you did it 30 years ago mm-hmm. is going to be updated. We feel it's going to take a good 20 years off the building. And we're also going to have a giant screen when you come into the arena where you can see what's coming up and in the future. And we did this for a primary reason. It's better for our tenants, but specifically with Bradley. Mm -hmm. Bradley now has the portal, you know, the name, image, likeness athletes. So if you look at their team, it was uber successful last year, but most of those guys left, whether it went to go play pro, um, uh, aged out, had their eligibility, or went to other schools. So every year they're competing versus once every four years to fill a spot. And our venue, while it was one of the largest, was easily the most dated. Mm-hmm. It put them at a competitive disadvantage. This gets us on an even playing field. And I think when folks see this new scoreboard, which is going to be about 38 40% larger than what we currently have in an HD quality, yeah. and the sound is going to be outstanding, <laughs> we now awesome. are going to give them, hopefully, an advantage to land that next big recruit and bring home another title. Sure. I, I feel like there should be some sort of event, um, and you should definitely not put me in charge of it, but I want to be in charge of it, where we mess with that right when you first have it installed, try to blare whatever music we can, uh, make it go as crazy as possible. Possible. Again, don't give me uh, the power there. I want it, if you don't mind. Can we talk about that off the air? Fair enough. No, okay, good. Yeah, I want to go like nuts, like an ACDC live show, uh, just throwing it out there and putting it on. Uh, but that sounds really cool. I love those big, giant boards uh, at all the other, you know, kind of sporting, professional sporting places that have them. Uh, so it sounds like another big, making you feel uh, like you're in one of the biggest markets in, in the country kind of thing uh, right here in Peoria. Um, you also gave me some financial information. Uh, you want to kind of quickly go through this? It seems like things have been going very well at the Civic Center. Yeah, we are proud to say that our fiscal year will end at end of August. It's going to be the best financial year in totality since the addition was built on to the venue almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, we have an operating budget, and very quickly for folks out there, venues like in secondary markets are not made, especially with convention centers, to make money. We make money for everyone else. We bring events in town, so they spend the monies at the restaurants, they spend monies at the hotels. Mm-hmm. And this year, the activity level, especially in the concerts and entertainment events, that being comedy, Hot Wheels, things of that nature, sure. has been at such record highs that we are now at the end of April, we are $1 million in the black. Wow. We are $2 million ahead of budget. And by the way, we pay taxes. And this is something we hear where a drain on the taxpayers or it takes away from the taxpayers. By the way, we paid almost 900000 in taxes already this year. Wow. So 
what we're doing is creating operational surplus by not having to use the HRA money that comes into us for the venue. Sure. So when we go into next year when we know we have to shut down for a month to put in a scoreboard. Uh, right now on the project is the shutdown for three to four months to put in hockey ice. Well, that's four months that the arena is not generating revenue. Mm-hmm. So we know that this year is fantastic. We usually lose a little over the summer, but because of those five concerts, it's not going to be as dramatic as sure. previous years with payroll because we're still paying our staff. Um, there's a very high probability we're going to end in black at the end of the year. Wow. We're pretty close to it. And then the money that came through the taxpayers is going to go into a reserve fund so that when we are upside down by not being able to open for projects, mm-hmm. we'll be able to cover our losses without having to come back and ask for more dollars. So not only are you committed to the um, types of things you're putting uh, on, uh, Bradley, obviously among them, um, that you're doing there, not only are you crushing it in the amount of um, the quality of the product that you're bringing into the community, uh, but you're also doing really well financially, which allows you to close the doors for a while. So everything is going as good as humanly possible. Is that the right way to say it? It can always be better. I knew I knew you were going to say that. I um, knew that's the Rick Edgar that I've talked to before. Go ahead. But no, and we're great. And, you know, and I want to uh, take a moment away from us because this is all about having a great team. The reason why we landed Monster High wasn't because of Rick Edgar. It wasn't me. It's because of the folks that work for us. And what we hear time and time again, whether it's Joe Coy, Burt Kreischer, mm-hmm. um, Thomas Rhett, is when they come to Peoria, our team makes them feel special. And therefore, that gives us a little bit of an edge. More Week in Review coming up. One old former school in South Peoria has met the wrecking ball, and another is in the process of meeting it. Demolition has completed at McKinley School, with work continuing at the Harrison School property. As that continues, so too is planning for what to do with the area. With many people agreeing that new housing is needed in that part of the city, the Peoria Area Association of Realtors is working with the city and the Peoria Housing Authority to make that happen, Talking about it are Peoria Mayor Rita Ali and Peoria Housing Authority Director Armika Crawford. It was several months ago last fall that I was approached by Jen and Chris from Peoria Area Association of Realtors about an opportunity to apply for a grant uh, to assist the city of Peoria with some housing issue or housing problem that we might uh, be able to get some assistance from the Counselors of Real Estate, or CRE, to actually come into Peoria to uh, provide some expertise. Now, these Counselors of Real Estate are experts in their field, in the field of housing. They come from different parts of the country. They bring um, all types of expertise in terms of real estate, uh, certain transactions that are, are made relative to housing, banking, uh, transfer, transforming neighborhoods and communities. And so they applied uh, for a grant in conjunction with uh, the demolition of Harrison and McKinley schools. This was something that had not happened yet. We were slated to demolish these facilities um, sometime this year. We knew that was coming. And we knew that we wanted to engage the community in a way that allowed for people's voices, a stakeholder voices, to be a part of what might transpire after these uh, facilities were torn down. So it's been a, a blessing to have these experts to come into our community, uh, to have PAR 
work to assemble key stakeholders throughout our community, from businesses to elected officials to not-for-profit to residents that live on the south side of Peoria to really come together as a community to begin to explore uh, ways that we might um, provide accommodations for uh, housing or commercial or, or whatever the solutions might be. It's been a very engaging process, um, initially back in the fall and then again today to bring stakeholders together to actually talk and to exchange ideas and to uh, review those recommendations that came out of CRE. There's been a there was a whole list of, of recommendations that were well thought out, thought out not over a few weeks, but over several months. Uh, when they came to town, they had some one-on-one -on -one interviews with many people. I was just amazed at how many people they actually spoke to within Peoria. It's been uh, great to have leaders of our community here, to have, again, members of the city council, city staff, um, working with our Peoria Housing Authority director and staff and other key stakeholders to just really exchange ideals and, and think about how we might move forward with this process. So I'm thankful, very thankful to PAR for applying for the grant, for bringing these experts into our community to generate some ideas and to put forth some recommendations for us to consider. Uh, there are no final decisions that are made. There are some things that are happening. Um, McKinley School is down right by there. It looks great. The ugly mon monstrosity is gone. It is gone. And the neighbors are very grateful for that. So what's going to happen in that space? Well, it, it really depends. Some of the things that we're looking at is single family housing. Habitat for Humanity is actually looking at that space where McKinley School was uh, for possible home ownership, uh, single family homes. We have funding um, potentially uh, that's coming from a, uh, a set-aside, a federal set-aside, and combined with some other uh, housing funding through HUD that we can actually accommodate potentially five to six single-family homes each year moving forward in that area. That's a possibility. That's not a done deal, but that's one of the ideals that are is being looked at for that area. Harrison School is under demolition as we speak. I rode by there the other day. Parts of Harrison is down and it's coming down every day. We're seeing more of it come down. That's a big area and there's a great, uh, a lot of opportunity for what will happen in that uh, space. But we don't want to do it in a vacuum. We want the voices of the residents, of the community, involved in uh, making that decision. So this, that's what this is all about, bringing all the key stakeholders together to look at some ideas. Uh, we've been working with key stakeholders at uh, Promise Neighborhoods uh, grant opportunity through the federal government and the director of PHA, uh, Ms. Armika Crawford, will share with you uh, our work together between the city and the PHA on a choice neighborhood planning grant application. So with that, I'll turn it over to Director
Crawford. So first off, I want to start off by thanking Mayor Ali. I would like to thank PAR and CRE for this opportunity and for the study that they um, diligently and patiently uh, conducted. And I'm amazed by the outcome and the direction and recommendations that they've also offered. I want to take an opportunity just to state how excited uh, we are at Peoria Housing Authority to be a part of this process. We have an opportunity to do something amazing in 61605. And thank you for to Mayor Ali for spearheading this and partnering with not only the other stakeholders, but also Peoria Housing Authority. I want to speak specifically about the Harrison neighborhood um, combined with the school that's now being um, demolished, prizes of about 30 acres, and that is, includes the land where the school sits. And so that's significant, and Peoria Housing Authority has the, um, the, the significant portion of that land. And what we're looking to do is spark neighborhood revitalization. We want to bring to the neighborhood more than just rehabbed rooftops or demolition and new rooftops. What we're looking to do is expand the neighborhood. We want to take care of the people, take care of the existing residents, creating opportunity, creating economic growth. As a housing authority, we cannot do that alone. We need the city, we need other stakeholders, we need grassroots organizations, we need the die-hard community leaders that have been doing this and keeping 61605 afloat all of this time. So to see the attention that is now given to this zip code is awesome and I hope that this is more than just a conversation that we're having just following a study. What I'm looking to do is have the action to start now. I don't know that Mayor Ali and Peoria Housing Authority um, and our teams, we've been working dil diligently to plan for the area as recommended by CRE. Um, in addition to that, what we want to happen is this plan to materialize. We don't want this to be another topic that we're discussing for the next 10 years. What we hope to see is timelines developed and actions taken, some accountability in place, not only just for Peoria Housing Authority, but those other stakeholders who are involved, so that we can bring housing and amenities to the residents in that neighborhood who deserve to have a change sparked there. Um, so again, I want to thank you for your engagement. Thank you for allowing um, Peoria Housing Authority to be engaged. And I'm excited about the future. More Week in Review coming up. This past week, law enforcement agencies all around celebrated their best officers while remembering those whose lives were lost in the line of duty, all a part of activities marking National Police Week. That includes the Peoria Police Department. Over the department's history, 14 officers were killed in the line of duty. Here's Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria from a recent memorial ceremony. Let's take a moment to remember retired police officers that passed away in 2022 and 2023. And if uh, I call your family member's name, I ask that you just please stand so we can recognize you. In 2022, we lost Donald Quast, Lawrence Hammer. This year, we've lost 
Thomas Preston, and Martin Colton. On this day, we take the time to remember those have given the ultimate sacrifice, protecting the communities they love and serve. In 2022, the nation lost 246 officers who died in the line of duty. 58 of those were by auto, 64 by gunfire, 114 were medical, and 10 were other case causes. Of note, eight of these deaths were here in Illinois. Should also take the moment to recognize that today in Chicago, they laid to rest an officer who had three years on the job and was considered a line of duty death. These threats are real. And today is one of those days where we remember that and we've seen it firsthand coming out of the neighboring city of Chicago. I wanna acknowledge the family and friends that stand tall behind all our officers. Without your sacrifices, we could not do what we do. To all the Peoria police officers, your sacrifices and unwavering commitment does not go unnoticed. Not by me, not by this command staff, and not by this city. I couldn't be prouder of all of you. You get up every day, and no matter what the national narrative of the day is, you put on the uniform, you stand ready to protect all who live, work, and visit this great city. And although you know the threats that face us every day, you still show up. Your honor, courage, and commitment to serve others is to be commended. Thank you for all that you do. So I'm going to go a little bit off script right here. As I stood up here and I looked out at the crowd and as Detective Irving was, was reading off those names and I look at the family that's sitting here, none of us here can imagine the pain and suffering that you guys have all experienced. And after all these years, you, know, you still have to come here, you come here and you're remembering your loved ones who, as I said in the beginning, have gave the ultimate sacrifice for this city, for this nation. And I want the people that are in the crowd to just really soak in on that. You know, we often forget, you know, we see officers every day, like these officers that are standing behind me. They put their uniforms on every day to come here and serve this community. They put their lives on pause. They miss out on family events. Sometimes they're not there when a child is born because they're out working. They're missing birthdays, they're missing holidays. Yet they continue to show up, knowing that this can possibly, somebody in their family could possibly be sitting here one day. We saw what happened in Chicago. That officer showed up after work at home and was shot at, their footstep, at the footsteps of their home. I just want you to remember that. Those times that we feel like something went wrong, something went bad, every day they continue to come in. Every day they continue to put their lives on pause for this community. And I thank them for that, and I'm very proud of them. I'm Will Stevenson. This past week was also National Salvation Army Week, and celebrated here in Peoria by Commander Major Heath Sells. 
He talked with WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio. Some of the things that you guys let us understand is just how deeply embedded the Salvation Army is in Peoria's history. It's 137 years old. Yeah, we started. And you've up, been here 135 of those. That is an amazing thing. <laughs> I think I, I drink from Malderhyde. That you look, look great. great. You yeah. look great. Yeah, no, but we, it's, it is remarkable, isn't it? You think about that. Some humble beginnings on the fourth floor of an old uh, hotel uh, back in 1886 yeah. to uh, the programs and services that we offer today. Yeah. But what has not changed is the Salvation Army standing in the gap to meet human needs in the name of Jesus Christ, yeah. right here in our community. Standing in the gap. I love that that, that visual to me. Well, it's we a, you know we we often say you you meet people on the down slope and your job is to get them through the trough and get them to the upslope and kind of help push them back up so they can get on their own and there are so many challenges on their way down before they hit bottom and you fill all those gaps. Dan, I like the way you say that. We do have people who cry out for help at different levels, at different volumes, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's for emergency food, whether that's shelter or child care. Uh, and we have a unique role to be able to play in the community to help those who are facing those traumas and those difficulties. Well, you know, Tree of Lights campaign is now almost six months ago now, right? You know, it's working on it. And as you head into 2023, you knew what financial needs. You, you said it from the get-go back in the fall. We need a couple million bucks. You got two point one in that campaign. Always needed. What have you seen happening this year so far? You know, uh, when the COVID SNAP benefits ended in March, um, we were ready for what that would look like. I don't know that we had anticipated a near 170% increase in the request for food, but that continues to be those food insecurities. You know, here in our population, 10% of children under the age of 18, food insecurity, senior citizens, 8% of our population, food insecurity. So those tend to be those, uh, number one, and I mentioned it earlier, emergency food and shelter, the Salvation Army's niche right here in the Tri-County. Rent is an issue, and utilities, too. Yeah, 126% increase. Uh, Not what we were just uh, anticipating, but increase of those requests that are coming in. Wow. You know, back to the food insecurities, it's one thing to have food insecurity and find food to fill that gap. But then to have healthy, nutritious food, which a lot of people lack, and to learn how to cook all that, that's a whole other ball of wax, isn't it? Dan, it is. Both of us have 14-year-old boys who would say they're food insecure after they ate a Subway sandwich <laughs> and all those yeah. things. So it, it, you're right. It's, it's a different level of uh, insecurity that we're referring to. The week set aside that is the national week and state week and local week with the mayors locally, Pekin and Peoria, both declaring this Salvation Army Week. What does that mean for you? I mean, because we, we kind of get blinded sometimes a little bit. There's weeks for everything. But for you guys, this is a special thing. What is it to you? It is. Uh, you know, I also was made aware earlier today on the show that it's Nash, uh, National Sliders Day. So it, Thank you for listening. You, you, know, you put those all together. <laughs> I don't want to downplay the National Salvation Army Week by putting it in with sliders, but... But it it is an opportunity for us to talk, right, and and, and just go, hey, uh, this is what you do. This is what we do. It is when we we as the Salvation Army tell our story. In essence, what we're doing is we're telling the story of the community at large, uh, our unique role that we get to play in uh, meeting human needs, and we rejoice in those victories that we have. As Dan talks about the downward slope and the yeah. upward slope, we're going to celebrate when we have families um, reach uh, benchmarks of where they've come in and out of poverty and they get to have their own home and they have secure jobs. And That's by, what our role is. And, and by the way, I just want to make clear that happens. That that happens because I think sometimes in this world we get jaded and we go, well, that never happens. It's just we're just patching the same patches all the time. No, it really happens. 
Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, there's trophies of grace um, marching all over this city because oh of the work God. of the Salvation oh, Army. Are you that. kidding me? Yeah, I'm cool. writing that down. <laughs> I'm putting hey. that on my refrigerator. Uh, oh. Real quick, um, I think for people, especially single parents, who are trying to get all through this and get back to work, they want to work, is child care. It's so expensive. I know that. And you've got a great child care center. We do, you know. In fact, and we have the longest continuously ran child care center, almost yeah. ninety years, uh, that the Salvation <laughs> Army awesome. has providing child care here. And uh, whether that's families who are looking because they uh, work downtown at one of the hospitals, or um, because we have that affordable child care and the yeah. quality child care uh, to make sure that the kids have a safe place to be and to learn. Sapeoria.org, org. They're all doing things this week to celebrate each other and themselves, and you should celebrate them too. I'm going to give you. A one little piece of trivia. The only flag on the moon besides the American flag is the Salvation Army flag. More Week in Review coming up. Steve Miller is chairman of Sports Academy Foundation and is the CEO of Agassi Graph Holdings, the companies bearing the names of tennis legends Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf. Last weekend, the 1966 Bradley University graduate got an honorary degree from his alma mater, and spoke to the class of 2023. One of the mantras you need to remember is you need to define you. You don't need an outside source to define you. You don't need a job to define you. There are no great businesses. There are no great jobs. I know you think there are, and you've been told there are, but what there are are great people. Great people make jobs, businesses great. Um, as I said, you never are quite sure that what you see is reality. Several years ago, I was asked to come to Stanford University to give a, a, a presentation uh, about leadership and guidance. I was currently at, the, uh, at, at Nike, which I think when you work at a place like that, people think your IQ goes up. Not, not true. We, we, we manufactured shoes, we manufactured product, and we made the rest up. So as a result, we were, we were good. We caught a wave of, uh, of excellence in running and, and track and field, and it was, a, it was an honor. But let me go back to the story about Stanford. My wife, Suzanne, and I, and Suzanne is sitting up here someplace, we've been married 53 years. Maybe that's all I should say. Maybe I should sit down now. 53 years. We were married when we were nine, and, and uh, uh, it, it was an arranged marriage, and it was, it was wonderful. But we, we went to Stanford, and I was going to give a presentation. We got into the Oakland airport, and uh, we were running a little late, walked fast to the outskirts of the airport. It was raining like crazy, and um, we kind of ran across the street. Well, one of us ran across the street, and the other one of us hobbled across. Uh, and it wasn't her. It, but um, as we stood underneath this concrete overhang and there was all this rain going on, um, next to me was a gentleman who I assumed uh, was blind, and he had a seeing eye dog with him. And if you've never watched the expertise of a, of a dog like that, it's, it's fascinating. So he took a couple of steps into the street, and uh, the dog pulled back on him, which I thought was very, very interesting. 
We stood there a few more minutes and the dog lifted up his hind leg uh, and urinated over um, this person's knee, shin, shoes. And Suzanne very quietly walked a little farther to her right and I walked a little closer to the gentleman and said, look, I, I, I don't know what you're thinking about, but your dog urinated all over you and afterwards you reached in your pocket and gave him a dog biscuit. Well, then I flipped farther out and Suzanne moved farther away. And I said, yeah, uh, interesting. He said, that's right. I wanted to find out where his head was so I could kick him in the ass. So, so at, the, at, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, I, I promised I wouldn't use bad words and there, didn't even get to a sentence and, 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 here, and here I am. Uh, at, at, the end, at the end of the day, uh, and this is not meant to be an indictment of parents, but I think as you grow, uh, and when you were children, I think children hear the word no more than they hear the word yes. And probably a lot of that is based on your parents trying to protect you. When your eight or nine-year-old daughter comes in and says, I want to become president of the United States, a parent is likely to say, why don't you just stand over there and then we'll talk about it, you know, later on. I'm going to get back to the reality is define yourself. You are going to go through lots of changes. Things are going to happen in your life that you did not plan for. I dare say those things happened at the university. You've got to be aware of the fact that if you are going to take a chance, if you're going to take a risk, there is a certain amount of fear involved. However, you need to make the appropriate decision for you, not for someone else, and it has to be, it, it, it has to be for you. I am, uh, I, I sat down and I listed some of the things that I've uh, been involved with, I guess, and, and uh, it took up a lot more room than I thought because either I can't keep a job or I moved from place to place. I picked Bradley University, or Bradley University might have picked me. I was not, um, just not that good of a student. You know, I like to think I was, but I really wasn't. I picked my majors, I chose to study, or not. I became an athlete and wanted to become a professional athlete, hurt my knee, that ended, that ended it. All that period of time I trained to become a professional football player, and this was my tool. But when I was hurt, this became my tool, and this became my tool. So there was a shift in my direction, which created some consternation for me, a bit of fear, but I was determined to make the best of the circumstance. I became an English teacher, a literature teacher. I coached five national championship teams, five Hall of Fames of said. I was the assistant director of athletics at Kansas State, then became the director of Kansas State. Uh, I ran Special Olympics for a couple of years, um, became the head of sports marketing at Nike, um, and, and I was the CEO of the Professional Bowlers Association, and I hope you don't feel sorry for me for that. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, have been involved in, in, uh, in, in leading and or participating in companies that are a billion dollars or more. And I was no different than any of you as it related to my preparation moving forward. But the one thing I wanted to be sure of was that I was able to make my decisions based on my life 
and not all the suggestions you hear from other people. It does not mean you're not going to get good information, wonderful faculty, wonderful people that I've met over the last several days, but you must define you. And you can't let the environment you live in define who you are and where are you going to be. Here I am, a kid from Chicago, and um, you know I have visited the Ivory Coast, Nigeria, several countries in, in uh, Africa, lived in Europe, lived in Japan, lived in multiple places because I ran Asia Pacific for Nike. It was, it was interesting. But the thing I'm most proud of and the thing that I think I'm assuming that very few of you would know is that when Andre Agassi and I and Steffi Graf got together, we had built a charter school in the city of Las Vegas and we were very proud and happy to do that. But we didn't think that building that school was making a statement enough. We had 1,500 people come to the school, but 3,000 applicants that we were not able to accommodate. So we took a different tact. We went to see the President of the United States. We talked to uh, Arnie Duncan, who is the Secretary of Education, and we decided to create a for-profit program to build schools. We went out and raised $1.2 billion, and we contacted as many schools as we could that met our due diligence. Now, on the surface, maybe that doesn't move you, maybe it doesn't sound very impressive. We have now built 140 schools in the United States and hundreds of thousands of young people's opportunity to make choices for themselves. I'm going to say it again. There are no great businesses. There are no great jobs. You make those jobs and businesses meaningful. I think that it's really genuinely important. When you make decisions, go deep. Don't do it superficially. When you want to achieve, don't go superficially, go deep. It's important that you define yourself and do not allow the world to define you. My assumption is of the couple of thousand people that are here, um, I was given a Hall of Fame to Bradley because of sports years and years ago, did it during a halftime of a basketball game, and I was convinced that not everybody listened, and it may be the case now. So for you, those of you that can take away certain things from this, I, I really feel you need to make those applications to you. I'm thankful to the faculty, thankful to the president, thankful to all of the people I've met, most of all thankful to you as graduates. Leave you with a great simple line. There are no great businesses. Those businesses are not going to make you great but you have the capacity to make those businesses great. That's it for this edition of Week in Review. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.